Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Scale It Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzaifa, as always. And today we are talking about standardized tests, but a one standardized test in particular that I've been helping to teach a lot since I moved to Cal- in, well in California for the last few years, and it is called the IC. And what that stands for is the Independent School Entrance Exam. So what happens in California and other places too, it's not just California, but what happens a lot with the schools, especially which I see in the Los Angeles area, are that for the private schools, if you want to go to them, you usually have to take, so they'll look at your, they'll look at how you've done at your school, they'll talk to your teachers, they'll get recommendation letters, you fill out these very in-depth applications. These are for some of these really good schools like Brentwood, Harvard Westlake, etc. And all the private schools, they pretty much make you do, jump through these hoops. And one of the things that you have to fill out is, or one of the things you have to submit is your an ICE score. All right, it's a standardized test. Now, there are actually four different ICs or ICE exams depending on how old you are or what you're trying to get into. So, for example, they have this is a new one actually. They have a primary ICE that's to enter into a school within the grades of between two to four, so second to fourth grade, depending on if the school requires it, because it's new, I don't know if they all do, but you take this primary IC, you submit your scores, and the school will use that to compare you against other potential candidates. Then you have the lower level, the middle level, and the upper level. And the lower level is for grades five through six, the middle is for seven through eight, and the upper is for getting admittance through nine through 12. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the exam, talk about what's on it. My expertise in particular is on the middle level IC. That's what I've been teaching uh, primarily. I've helped some kids with the upper level as well, and actually also the lower level now too. So I've worked with all three, but middle level is where I've really spent a lot of time going through and understanding and teaching the exam. So we're going to talk about all of these different tests. And I'm also going to be reading from the ERB website. Most That's who makes the IC. We're going to read from the frequently asked questions section. So hopefully, if you're new to the IC, you're like, what is this test that my poor little child has to take to get into these schools? It's really not so bad. And if you approach it the right way and you prepare correctly, you're gonna have, your kid, child will have a great shot at having getting getting an awesome score. So without further ado, let's let's get into the nitty gritty. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you this: if you're thinking about having your child take it, I'll tell you what we do for our middle level students. And of course, it varies a lot. So we're talking about usually kids who are in the fifth or sixth grade. And we'll usually start with and they're trying to take the middle level. So they want to apply for seventh and eighth grade, usually seventh grade. So what we do is we have them start in the at the second half of the fifth grade year. And they continue all the way to the middle of their sixth grade year. And that's when they take the exam. 
so we give them a nice full year of preparation. And I actually teach with, uh, I teach under a guy for uh, a class that he teaches. It's called True Education Solutions. His name is Ron Siegel. Hopefully we'll have him on the show at some point to talk about the ICE, middle level IC as well. But he sets up this entire curriculum and we work with the kids on on all the different sections, on reading, on the verbal reasoning, on the two different math sections. And so we work with them for that entire year and it's a very nice gradual pace so they don't feel too overwhelmed and then we can adjust it up or down depending on each individual student. And then like for example when I'm working with kids privately I have a lot of leeway. In some cases I've worked with kids three to four times a week, sometimes even more, just depends on what the child wants to do, what the child really feels like they have the capacity for. I mean, in some cases, I've given kids homework every day if they're willing to do it and they want to do it and they have the time. And you can see some phenomenal, I've seen some amazing stories and progressions, especially with respect to them. Well, actually on all sections, but I've seen some really amazing transformations happen on the math portion with just some really specific and dedicated practice routines. So we'll get into more of that a little bit later. But let's now talk about just the nitty gritty of this exam and, and what it entails. So basically for the IC, for for all the different IC levels, we're basically testing, it's similar to the SAT and the ACT, we're basically testing math and verbal. And the verbal part is broken up, you could say, into two sections. We got actually strict verbal reasoning, which is going to be knowledge of words. It's going to come in the form of finding synonym for synonyms for words. It's going to be using these sentence completion exercises where you basically have to fit a word of a, you know, a certain word out of a choice of four into a different sentence and it's got to be the right context, etc. So this becomes really it becomes really important that you actually understand the word that's being spoken, understand the the sentence in its entirety. And actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you guys one of these sample one of these sample sentence completion problems so you can get an idea of what it's all about, what they're asking. And of course, the difficulty will range depending on whether it's lower, middle, upper, etc. So here's a sentence completion problem from the middle level. One example, it says, in order to avoid high fees on airline tickets, it is important to blank your flight in advance. And the options are exchange, cancel, secure, arrest. So I'll read it one more time. In order to avoid high fees on airline tickets, it is important to blank your flight in advance. Do you want to think about it for a second? And the answer in this case, it would be secure. Not exchange, not canceled, not arrest, but secure. So we're looking again on the middle level. There's words like endangered, threatening, inadequate, accumulate, selfless, hardy. So these aren't words that we would see on the old SATs where they're quite like the higher level ones are very, very obscure. You won't see that to a high degree. Zenith, I see that. That's a little bit tougher, but overall, I'd say most of these words are in the realm of what we would consider normal use. Now let's talk about to some, we'll, we'll look at some of these synonym questions. So for example, one of the one of the words they'll put ample, and the different potential candidates for synonyms are A, abundant, B, cramped, C, meager, D, sparse. Okay, so you go ahead and then now you're going to choose whichever word most closely links up to ample. Some of the other words we have are zeal, 
concise, astute, opaque. So these are some of the words that are going to be tested here on the middle level. So this is the verbal reasoning component. And then we have the reading comprehension comp uh, section. So this is, most of you guys are probably familiar with reading comprehension sections in general. You read a passage, and then after you read that passage, you are then asked to answer a suite of questions based on that passage. It can be all sorts of this different things related to content, related to organization and flow, related to the author's opinion on a certain topic, or even the definition of a word or different words in context. They'll say, hey, what is this what does this word in this sentence most nearly mean? What is the author trying to say here? Chao will then have to answer that. Okay, so that is basically the, the verbal sections. And I'll talk about now the math sections. Of course, I teach both of these sections. I'm very familiar with both. But if, the math is, again, that's my bread and butter. That's what I really enjoy to teach. And I've done quite a bit of research, at least with respect to the breakdown of the different quantities of types of question on the math sections of the middle level, which I will dive into those another day. But I've done, I, so I'm very, very familiar with these math questions. So now on the math, we have two different sections. We have the quantitative reasoning, quantitative uh, reasoning section, and we also have math achievement. Okay, so math achievement and quantitative reasoning, those are basically, in my opinion, they're both just math sections. We have a slight difference though with the quantitative reasoning section we have a, an entire half of it that is these questions that are called quantitative comparisons okay and what you're basically doing is you have two columns you column a column b and in column a will be some sort of a number that you calculate in some way same with column b and what you have to do is you have to say oh column a is greater or column b is greater or you choose c the two columns are equal or you choose d the relationship cannot be determined that's the slight curveball that can be a little bit tricky because in every single one of these questions, there's always that option that, hey, we don't have enough information. I mean, that's hard. That's hard to, to put that option in. So that's, but the nice thing about it is it, it really puts the onus on kids to understand the math as opposed to being able to eliminate or sort of kind of navigate through the question and more or less know and be able to choose the best answer. We always have this curveball in that really makes it important that kids understand the math thoroughly and can really get a, a boil it down to a definitive answer. So that's the quantitative reasoning and then the math achievement section that is again it's 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 similar. I mean the the ERB will sort of differentiate between the two categories. I think they'll say that for example, you'll have longer questions in the quantitative reasoning section. I mean, I don't really, I don't see a huge difference, except for the only major differences in that quantitative comparisons piece. But otherwise, I feel like the problems are fairly interchangeable between math achievement and quantitative reasoning. That's my take anyways. So these are the, these are the four sections uh, for all these tests. And of course, as you get to the lower level tests and the lower levels you go, sort of the easier it gets, the shorter the questions are. The passages, for example, if you compare from lower level to middle level, they're substantially longer in the in the middle level. So that's the general breakdown. Now let's uh, we're going to go through some of these frequently asked questions. Oh, and also one other thing I will say too, there is an essay portion on the test, and the essay portion is actually not part of the grade. 
So let me let me actually talk about the way the test is graded. So the test is graded, you're given a raw score, but what really matters is this standine score, which is out of nine. So we can get a one to a nine. And that's what you're really going for. The the issue with these scores is they're not they don't necessarily equate to getting a certain number of questions correct. It depends largely on how other people are doing. It's scaled. It's on a curve. So if you measure in the top 99 or percent or so, 99, 98% in these different subject matters, you're going to get a 9. That's the highest you can get, and that's what every, every kid is shooting for. But it is incredibly difficult to get a 9. Very, very hard. I had a student of mine who... He did. He get, got almost all nines on the on the different subjects. He did a, did a phenomenal job. He got into one of the best schools in the country, and and I think like one of the categories he got he got an eight. He almost got a nine, and it was because I think he got two questions wrong, something like that. One or two questions wrong. He was very close to getting all nines on every single section, but it's hard. And I mean, schools will, an eight is a very solid score. A seven is even considered a very solid score. A six is very solid. It's, I, I'd say six and above, you're in a great ballpark. And I know that a lot of times kids and parents have really high ambitions. Oh, I want to get all nines. And I understand that. I had that same drive as well when I was a kid. But but it is important to note that there's there's a few different score ranges. It's really about looking at what kids are getting across the board and how they're like a nice solid six or seven across the different categories. This is a very nice score. And that really shows that you have some good understanding of both the math and the the verbal components. A lot of times too, I'll have parents ask, well, what needs to happen in order for my child to get a nine or get all eights or something like that? And it's it's a really hard question to answer. And I really can't answer it. And the reason why is because, again, we have, that, we have that factor of how other kids do. So you can have one year where a certain number of questions correct will get you all nines, another year that will get you all sevens. So it depends. And really, the way we emphasize, uh, when I work with Ron at True Education Solutions, the way we do it is we really emphasize the process over anything. It's just about getting into a good work regimen, understanding the concepts, getting a lot of practice for both developing vocabulary as well as developing reading skills. And this comes in a combination of doing regular reading passages, also encouraging reading in general, whether it's using things like Newzella or actually choosing novels or books that kids really like. And for vocabulary development, I know that we use something called WordlyWise, which is a great tool, a great resource that I recommend for kids who are trying to build their, their vocabulary. And trying to have fun with it, trying to make it something that's enjoyable. So now let's we're going to go through some of these frequently asked questions on the ERB website to round out whatever questions you may have about the IC. So first, I think it's good to start here. It says, how do I sign up to take the IC? Oh, no, I'm sorry. This is for, this is not the one we want. Here we go. How quickly will I receive my score? So the first question I read, that was actually for schools, etc., um, what they might ask. But now here are more focused towards parents. So the first one says, how, will I, how quickly will I receive my scores? Scores are distributed electronically to schools as early as the Monday after a Saturday exam. And most of our students usually take it on a Saturday. Scores from paper administrations post on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday afternoons. 
scores from online administrations may post more quickly. So by the way, you can either take it with a pen or with a pencil and paper, sort of the more traditional way, or you can take it you can take it online. You can take it on a computer. It's really up to a child's personal preference. The benefit of taking it online is you can type the essay. You don't have to handwrite it. So I know for kids who have difficulty with handwriting, that can be a help, but it, it just depends. All right, another question. How often may a student take the IC? Practice administrations of the IC are not allowed. A student may test only when making a formal application to an ERB member school. He or she may be tested only once within a six-month period. If he or she tests a second time during that six-month period, results of the second administration will not be reported and the test fee will not be returned. So that's very important. You want to, if you want to take it twice or you want to take it once and then try again, you need to make sure you have a six-month buffer to get in that, that second test. All right. What is the cost of the IC for a family? A family pays $105 when their child is testing as part of a large group administration. Uh, uh, large group administration. Small group testing at an office is $175, and an individual administration at a pro-metric testing center is $185. Additional fees may apply for phone registration, late registration, and walk-in registration. So you can take it in these separate test centers with your own accommodations. It'll be about $70 or $80 more than if you take it with a large group. Are fee waivers available for families in need of financial assistance? Yes, the ERB offers fee waivers to IC test site schools who have families in need. The admission offices will make the decisions as to which child should receive these fee waivers. All right, so now I've already talked about this, but uh, again, which grades is the IC available? So it's really available for all grades second through 12 because now there's this new IC primary for entrance to grades two through four. And again, you can do it in paper and pencil or online. Okay, what is the difference between the IC and IC online? Well, the IC and IC online offer the same high standards for admission assessment. The IC online modality provides schools and families even greater choices and flexibility. The only difference between taking the paper pencil or the online IC is the format of the test. Instead of writing answers on a paper answer sheet and writing the essay by hand, the student taking the online version will answer all questions using a computer and will type out the essay. Okay, and can the applicant take the IC in the paper pencil version and then take the online version? It's a great question. To maintain the rigorous standards, which are the hallmark of the IC, an applicant may take the IC only once per admission season, regardless of modality. So that's important to note if you if you might be thinking, well, you took a paper and pencil, maybe I can still let them take it another time using the computer within that six-month time frame, but they've answered that, and that is a no on that front. All right, and are all levels of the IC available in the online modality? Yes, all levels of the IC are available in the online modality. And entrance to grades 5 through 12 is also available in the traditional paper-pencil format. So those are, the, those are the majority of the questions on the IC website, frequently asked questions. Hopefully that was helpful. What we're going to do in another upcoming show is we're really going to dive into the middle-level IC 
and we're going to explain, we're going to talk, I'm going to get Ron on the show, we're going to talk about in, in real detail what we recommend as far as setting up a good routine, a good schedule for a summer, for a school year, so your kids can get ready for that test the best way possible. I'll even share some of the research that I've done on my own to get a real grip and a real handle on the math pieces and the breakdown of the question types, what they need to be focusing on, all that good stuff. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to do this show. And I got to tell you, I really, I just love standardized tests in, in terms of, I love teaching them. I feel like there's a real specific way that you can see kids have amazing, tremendous progress so long as they're motivated and they're interested and they're into it. And it's a system that can be understood. It is not this really amorphous thing that you should approach with trepidation. Instead, I think if you approach it with a plan, with a schedule, you'll really be amazed. And and the greatest thing is I can see confidence being built with kids when you see them make these big jumps and they're starting out in these positions where they feel really like they're just maybe not capable of achieving these great results. And then you change it and you see you see the belief change within those kids. I, oh, I can do this. I Maybe I can do get a good score on math. It's It's really cool. It's really fun. So thank you guys for joining. Again, I'm going to put this the link to the Frequently Asked Questions in the show notes. If you want to check out the show notes, go to www.scalarlearning.com and click on the podcast section. You can check out all the show notes there. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at huzefa at scalarlearning.com. would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for joining. I'll see you guys next time. Take it easy.